Hi friend, it's 2020. If you're anything like me, this year has been hard. Have you had days that feel confusing, disappointing, or just totally overwhelming? Especially in times like these, and really no matter what life stage you're currently in, do you find yourself looking for something real? Do you ever stay up late at night wondering if there's more to this world than the chaos in your social media feed? Maybe like me, you wonder about things like restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love. And truth, I am on an imperfect journey of pursuing Jesus Christ and what it looks like to find those things in a relationship with Him. It's a journey I committed to years ago when I dedicated my life to following Christ, and it's a journey I invite friends to explore with me, even if, and honestly, especially if you're just not so sure about Jesus. So for those who are wandering, wondering, skeptical, or just need some encouragement, we all need encouragement these days, don't we? This podcast is for you. Please come along with me as we journey together towards finding something real. Welcome back to the Finding Something Real podcast. This is your host, Janelle Wood. And friend, I'm so thankful that you're here today listening to season three of the Finding Something Real podcast, where I've been chatting with guests about some tough faith questions, some tough questions about the Christian faith. And today is a very special podcast episode because today's guest um, shares a similar passion that I do, and I just am so excited to chat with her. Uh, Her name is Yulia uh, Garshagan. And she is a speaker and apologist for the Zacharias Institute of Science, Culture, and Faith based in Germany. I got that right, right? Well done. That's okay. amazing. <laughs> As a member of the Ravi Zacharias International Ministries, RZIM, she has been a frequent speaker in universities and at different events across Germany and Europe talking about intellectually robust faith and addressing societal and existential questions from a Christian perspective. I'm so excited to talk to you about that. She is passionate about listening and responding to the questions and concerns of young people. I share that passion as well. And I'm really looking forward to our chat today. Welcome, Yulia. (laughs) Thank you so much, Janelle. I'm looking forward to this as well. It's great to be on the PEP podcast. Thank you so much. What a privilege. Uh, Well, thanks to Brandon Cleaver, who recommended you uh, a few months ago when we were talking in April. I had Tati on here from Germany, and he said, oh, let me tell you about this friend. So uh, I'm so thankful. And honestly, um, RZIM has been just part of my personal story. Oh, great. uh, That's good to know. Well, yeah, uh, years, you know, of doing laundry and listening to uh, apologists on the RZIM team talking about tough questions. And it's just been an encouragement to me as a believer and um, has helped equip me. And so I'm thankful that you're here. And um, I'll share more about why I'm so thankful. And people who listen to this podcast regularly probably know why. But tell me, how did you get into apologetics, RZIM? Tell me your story. Mm, Wow. Yeah, thank you for uh, for letting me share today. Um, So I have not been brought up in a Christian home. I've got amazing parents and, and they are so caring and loving. They're very socially engaged, but they don't they don't have a relationship to God. They would say, well, church is something culturally, it's great, but um, 
they they don't engage with with it on a personal level. But when I was um, invite when I was about seven years old, I think I was invited to come to the local kids club, and I joined, and I liked it. And um, what really struck me there was, well, apart from the games and the sweets and, <laughs> and all of that, um, it was it was the person of Jesus. Um, I really fell in love with Jesus, like the way he treats people, the way he engages with the outsiders, the way he just can't stop loving, that captured my heart. And then because my parents are quite um, in, into the academia, they started asking me questions. So my dad would say, well, you know, we believe in evolution, but then you are reading your Bible. Or my granny would say, well, I've studied uh, theology and um, to, to become a teacher. Uh, and so she, she gave me all these critical stuff that she'd learned at the university. And I was sitting there 12 years old reading my Bible and thinking, oh, my word. <laughs> <laughs> How do I even begin to make sense of this? Mm. And then, lucky me, I attended a church who was always open for questions. So I think if um, the church had given me the impression, if you want to enter our church, if you want to become part of it, you've got to leave your brain at the entrance, as, as, as it were, um, I would have not ever gone near it again. But because they didn't, because they were open for questions, because... I think they believe that if Jesus is the truth and they believe Jesus was the truth, then he could stand up to any test and to any questioning. Mm -hmm. um, so that's how I was brought up in terms of my family, asking questions is a good thing. And in terms of my church background as well, he always encouraged my doubts and, um, and my questions. And when I was about 15 or 14, I think I said to Jesus, look, um, I really want to follow you, but you have to explain this to me. Does science, natural science, evolution in the Bible, does it even go together? Does it, you know, how can I make sense of this? Um, and apologetic is not very well known in Germany. So it's not a very frequent thing. Uh, very few churches do it. Very few people have even heard about it. I um, luckily went to the summer camp and there was someone who did a seminar on how to how to engage both science and and faith so he explained um, and and it, that opened up a whole new world for me and I was like yeah okay if I can you know if I can think and believe and put the two things together then that's where I want to give my life to so mm. it's a very personal story how I got engaged with apologetics and I think that has stayed with me the passion to ask questions the passion to engage with people who are skeptics because I've been a skeptic and um, I think it's you know it's something Jesus encourages as well in the New Testament, we read about 200, more than two or 300, I can't even remember, but it's, it's a loads of questions that Jesus asks himself. So I think he encourages us to ask questions as well. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, so, so that's been my journey. And then uh, I studied theology. That was a whole different story in itself as well. And, um, and I got to work with uh, a ministry who works with uh, college students and university students and that's how I got to know RZM uh, and then I had the privilege to be asked to come on team that was five years ago and um, it's a joy to work with them so wow. it's true joy to have these amazing colleagues with their amazing minds and brains and they they you know they are in the academia they ask all these questions but at the same time, they have this passion for Jesus and this heart for, for God. So bringing the two together has always been um, 
my my privilege and my my passion yeah wow so you grew up in germany yes um yeah. what part of germany are you from so I'm from a little, very little village close to Cologne, which is in the West. Some people might have heard of Cologne because of the cathedral. <laughs> we have a very ancient, very big cathedral, uh, which is very beautiful, actually. Oh, wow. So you mentioned that your parents um, are skeptical, and I'm guessing they still are. Um, yes, they are. And I know just being, uh, you know, the exchange mama of a few Europeans and also uh, having some exchange, you know, nieces <laughs> as an exchange student coordinator. Um, mm. I, I know that there's a lot of pressure from your peers too, and it's not very common, uh, not just apologetics, but from what I understand, not very common to be really passionate about Christian faith um, in Europe right now either. And so can you share a little bit about that? Because I think the peer pressure is a real thing. Did you encounter that? Um, yes, I did. As a matter of fact, obviously, to be Christian is seen as something. It's naive on the one side. So um, if you look at it from an intellectual um, side, most people in Europe, I guess, would say, you know, this is outdated. This is naive. This is an illusion. Um, so I, I, you know, I can't possibly bring myself to brainwash myself into, into this faith thing. That's what I've heard many times. Um, so in a, yeah, from an intellectual point of view, you're naive from an emotional point of view. Most people, I guess in Europe, most of my friends even would say, you know, I don't need God. I'm happy uh, by myself. I have a great family. I have amazing hobbies. I do well at school or at college. Uh, thank you so much. I don't need this. If if that's okay for you, if you need it, well, go go ahead. But I don't need it. And then, um, and this is this has become um, yeah very strong for me in the past few years. If you look at it from a moral point of view. Again, many people in Europe would say it's actually morally bad to be a Christian. Mm -hmm. So I think that has changed over the maybe last 10 or 20 years. Um, that It used to be the case that people would say, you know, oh, these Christians, they have these high moral standards and I can't even begin to fulfill them. So I won't go near them. But that has changed quite a bit. And um, I think nowadays, most people would say, you know, Christians, they are homophobic. They um, they don't treat women well. They don't look after the environment. The end, uh, environmental topic is very huge in Europe. Um, and I think that's that's right. It, it should be. Um, and Christians, you know, they, they're hypocritic, all these things. And um, so from an emotional, from an intellectual, and from a moral point of view, most people will say, you know, the good news is not good news, it's actually bad news. Mm -hmm. And in the past few years, my what I've seen is that that is not only true for many non-Christians, but a lot of Christians have kind of adopted that as well. So I was talking to a student um, recently and she was saying, you know, I don't even want my peers to know that I'm a Christian because sometimes I feel I, I've brainwashed myself into this as well. So mm. I feel like um, I have this illness and I need to make sure no one knows and finds out about this illness. So, yes, I think uh, you're right. There's a lot of peer pressure. Um, it's not seen as something good. It's seen often seen as something doing damage to society 
both society and the individual because it restricts you, it restricts your freedom, it restricts the good things that you could get out of life. Yeah. Oh man, I could ask so many questions as a follow-up to that. Um, but I think I'm going to ask this one. I noticed in your bio that uh, you've worked with people in poverty, Yeah. which um, as a teenager, I remember going to the Philippines um, and seeing poverty in person, you know, and once you see that, um, you know, people just living with nothing and yet still having some joy, but are so hungry, you know, and just in a physical sense, um, it, it messes with you. It, it, it impacts you forever. Um, and when I started working with exchange students, uh, really, that's a whole story. Um, but uh, I really felt like God called us to open up our home to oh, kids great. from Europe and uh, from Taiwan, too, it seems. But um, I remember feeling like this work is not it's not an orphan or a widow. <laughs> These are kids that, you know, they've heard about God and they've just chosen, you know, I don't want that. Mm -hmm. And something um, in researching uh, for today, for this podcast, um, I was looking up some stuff that you um, have shared. And I only found one thing in English, because obviously, I'm you're sorry, German. <laughs> I love it. it's in German. <laughs> no, it's good. It's good. Tati, if you're listening, there's lots of stuff out there. Anyway, um, but one of the things you said was that the biggest challenge to sh one, of, one of the biggest challenges to sharing faith in Germany was apathy. And you, mm -hmm. in fact, you said during that interview, and I'm going to quote you, people think they know what Christianity is and they're done with it and they don't need it and it's irrelevant. So a twofold question, how do you stay passionate about what you're doing? How do you keep that burden? Mm -hmm. And how do you share your faith in that kind of spiritual climate? Mm. Wow, thank you. Um, oh, yeah, that's a big one. So um, for me, it's not an either or. It's not either, you know, I, I work with people in Germany who are well off and, 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 and rich, in some ways rich, or I work with people in poverty. Um, you're right. I, I lived in Peru for some time and um, I worked in what, what is called the slums there. So people of extreme poverty. And I've basically lost my heart there. I absolutely loved it. It was, I think, the best time of my life. Um, but I still keep very close connections there. In fact, um, I started um, like a, a little charity. It's only very small, but we are trying to help students to, um, to go to university and to get some higher education there. So that's still very much on my heart. And for mm -hmm. me, it's not either or. It's always both. And um, Ravi Zacharias, who... Um, sadly died a few months ago he was my boss he always said um, love is the best apologetics and I think that's so true uh, and not only because it's apologetic but because um, it's the love of Christ that presses us it's um and and Jesus had this preference for the poor so um yes so I think we're called to um, work and love the poor and and it's not me as a white person rich coming there and and you know I give some money or whatever it's yeah, it's, it's friendship. Um, mm. My best friends live in the slums and um, some of my best friends and, and they, at the moment they're starving. So, you know, with the whole Corona um, crisis, that's been devastating for me. Mm. Um, not so much for Germany. We've been okay, although obviously um, they're suffering there as well. But my friends in Peru have literally been 
and starving. Yeah, there's a lot of hunger there. So um, it's not both and, it's not either or, it's both and for me. Um, and I try to bring the two together. <clears throat> but then um, how do I keep my passion? What I said in the interview about people being apathetic and, and, and finding Christian faith irrelevant, I think that's only true as long as they haven't, haven't really met Jesus. Mm-hmm. I feel like when people start meeting the true Christ, the true Jesus, that changes drastically. So um, it's, yeah, sometimes people have, you know, they know so much about Christian faith, but I feel like there's a lot of fake news out there. So you have to clear the gravel away, as it were. And I think um, apologetics, engaging with the tough questions helps with that. But it's the only reason why I do apologetic is because I want to present Jesus. I want people to meet the risen Lord, who is, um, as I said, the most beautiful person I've ever met. So, and when people get a taste of that, the apathy fades. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I was talking to a student in Denmark, uh, this is, um, I think two years ago and, and Scandinavia is, yeah, it's very secular as well. And, um, so we talked about Jesus for quite a while and, and then suddenly she said, you, you know, I don't know whether this is true, but if it is true, it's the most beautiful story I've ever heard. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that all keeps me going. Yeah. <laughs> if people truly encounter the love of Jesus, what it means to come home, to find security in, in him, to find a hope. You know, with this whole coronavirus, we've been struggling so much with this question of where do we find ultimate hope? Because the things where we've put our hope in and where we thought we found stability suddenly begin to shake and and, um, and it's not all so clear anymore. So, um the hope we have in Jesus has become so beautiful for me uh, in just these over these few uh, last few months. I was actually, if I can elaborate on that a little yeah. bit, I was in the mountains uh, in Switzerland on holidays, uh, and and um, so in order to go to the toilet, we had to go to the woods. Oh my gosh. <laughs> So every night <laughs> I had to go to the woods. And when I was standing in front of this cabin, I looked up to the mountains and it was all so beautiful and, um, and majestic, you know, snow top glaciers and the stars sparkling, amazing. Um, and then my, my eyes always went to the valley and the valley was dark. And I imagined how people lived there and it, it became a picture for me um, for you know the the small and the big fights we have, uh, our struggles, our doubts, our fears, and we you know we live in the valley sometimes. Um, but then, right in front of our cabin in the valley where the darkness was, there was a cross, an illuminated cross shining there every night, mm-hmm. and this became a picture uh, for me. Yeah, the mountains are amazing, but. The, the cross is in the valley and then the God I know and I serve is a God who doesn't remain distant, who doesn't, well, yeah, he's majestic and all of that, but his cross is in the valley. He comes into the darkness. He knows our fights and our struggles, our fears. And that is, to me, that's so beautiful. Um, yeah. And I think that that's what keeps me going. <laughs> yeah. I love that. 
Well, a few months ago, I was talking to a couple of um, teenage German girls, and uh, we were just talking about some things about this podcast. I was getting some research with them, and I asked them, they're both uh, atheists, uh, one more agnostic than atheist, and um, I just said, if, if Jesus Christ was exactly who he said he was, would you want to know? And the answer was no. And when I tell that to Americans, I've mentioned it a couple times, um, I think on this podcast, there's always like this, uh, what? You know, like kind of like a uh, surprise, you know, like, uh, wow. Hmm. But I'm wondering if that kind of response surprises you. And if not, how do you, how do you engage in sharing the true story of who Jesus is? Because I think you're right. There's a lot of fake news out there about what mm. Christianity is and who Christ is. So. How do you yeah. move past that? Well, um, it's great you're having these conversations. <laughs> that's, um, that's great. So one of the the ways I try to interact with people is actually by asking questions. And um, most of the times I can't start with Jesus. You know, that would be like, boom. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so we start way further back. Um, mm. We start with um, the existential questions, the question of, is there a possibility to that there actually is a God? Does God even exist? Um, so questions like that would, I think, be relevant before we come to the person of Jesus. Obviously, I always want to become. I, I always want to come to the person of Jesus because, for me, you know, just talking about some random God doesn't, uh, yeah, wouldn't be enough. But um, but way way further back, and also. Yeah, we think people have heard, people know, and, and some do, but especially in the east of Germany, there's been a long tradition of atheism because of communism. So we've we talked to quite a few people, teenagers, students, who have never actually had a Bible in their hand. Um, it's their first time of me telling the, them about the prodigal son, for example. So and that's not only in the east, that's that's become becoming more and more um common so um yeah it's it's way further back sometimes you can't st you can't start with a person of jesus because there's so much so many other questions um mm. is it naive to even start to think about a god and do if i if i look into this do you, i have to become as judgmental and this um homophobic uh, as the christians so that's that that's something what's putting people off so um if they said no maybe that's why because they're fearing oh if i even start to look at this i have to become mm -hmm. like one of these christians some of them maybe that's fair to say haven't really met christians but that's you know what they hear in the news and sadly christians are often more known for what they are against than what they are for and i think mm -hmm. that's something we definitely need to change so it's not it's not people's fault um i think it's um it's questioning us as christians how do we live how do we how do we do we live out jesus so they're not reading a bible but they're reading us yeah. um so it starts with our lives and then sometimes maybe people will start asking questions uh, so it's it's friendship and it's um it's pouring out love just as Jesus did, and then maybe in three years' time they will start asking a question. So you yeah. need, in Germany we say you need a long breath. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
So, uh, yeah, I've, I've definitely had some, some good conversations with, uh, young women, um, around some tough objections to the Christian mm. faith, very similar to what you're describing. So since you are an expert and I'm not, <laughs> uh, in apologetics, um, what, what would you say to a young, a young woman who says to you, well, uh, the history of the church is a lot of hypocrisy mm-hmm. and a lot of, um, you know, horrible things that have taken place because of religion. And religion's just a bad idea in general, and I'm just fine without it. How do you mm-hmm. respond to something like that? Wow, how long do I have? <laughs> <laughs> I might ask you a couple of these. <laughs> yeah, um... Well, the first thing I always try to say is um, you're right. Uh, and I acknowledge that. Yeah. I acknowledge the church has done a lot of bad stuff and um, and the history has not been um, a bright history. There are a few, few misconceptions there as well. Um, sometimes the history of the church has been a little bit better than most people think uh but yes they're definitely dark spots and um and i would always want to say to someone you know if this is not only something that was back then in the ages but um i know that christians or churches still hurt others so so if you have experienced that if christians have hurt you and um maybe even you know said well i do this because i believe in god um, then I want to say I'm truly sorry. I don't think um, that's what Jesus called us to do. So, so please, um, can I ask you for forgiveness? Because I'm a Christian too. Uh, and that comes from the depth of my heart. So this is not something like, oh yeah, that's what you do to get through to people. No, no, that comes from the depth of my heart because um, I have this strong love for justice. And um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I make a lot of mistakes as well. So um yeah, so I think we have to ask for forgiveness. But then the question is, um, yeah, that's the church, but but then maybe Jesus c- could be something different or is mm. someone different. You know, if you um, go into um, a mall or wherever on a Friday night and you hear this really bad band and um, and they're saying, you know, we... Um, we we play Queen's songs or whatever band, sorry. <laughs> Queen's might not be very up to date. Um, but yeah, so yeah, we, we, um, we're trying to play Queen's songs and this is how Queen's um, sounds like. And then you hear all these songs and you go like, oh, if this is Queen's, thank you, no thanks. <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah, well, you might want to re- do some research and listen to the true Queen's songs and the and the band that was in fact queen and you will find out they're an amazing band yeah <laughs> and i'm sure you'd love their songs uh, this was just a very very bad uh, representation a misrepresentation of the actual band um so you might want to go and and check the the real one i think that's the same with jesus um yeah you you will find christians who say they're representing jesus um but you might want to go and check out the true Jesus, because as you said before, I think if he is who he says he is, and if he lived the, the life he lived, then he, I think he would be worth checking out and would be worth knowing. And if he did what he did, if he actually rose from the death and changed the course of history, that might be something you, you want to check out. The other thing is, um, 
So there's a question of how, why, what kind of God would have himself be represented by the church, you know, by this mm. mess of, of, of a church, mess of people. I know this, um, this young girl, um, she's, yeah, she's lovely, but she's really complicated as well. And sometimes, sometimes she gets really rude. And, um, and you know how we often from the child think about the parents and then judge the parents. So if you, if you would meet her, I think there might be moments where you think, okay, who are these parents? What have they done to the child? Why is she the way she is? Why does she behave so badly? But then her parents are actually my good friends. And, um, and they've adopted the child mm. and she yeah she comes from a very very difficult background her mom um drank a lot of alcohol while she was pregnant um and that's why she is the way she is so the reason why this child is like she is is not to be found in her her parents but i think what what is shown there is is the notion of grace. So they stick with her. My friend can't work because of that child. Uh, they didn't sleep for the first three years of mm -hmm. her life. Um, but they've adopted her. They've received her into, her in their, into their family and they love her. And they, they say, well, she's complicated. She's a difficult child, but we will stick with her. She's part of our family. So ultimately, when you look at it and you truly look at it, you will find the notion of grace um, from mm. this child. So, yeah, maybe that's a way to think about, you know, we are adopted into God's family. Yes, we are a mess. Um, we often are. Uh, but it's God's grace that welcomes us in. Yeah. Um, yeah. So maybe that's, yeah. Yeah. No, one, I love One way that. to think about it. It's a great illustration. Can I ask you one more and then I'll segue into something else? Sure, yeah, sure. <laughs> this is helpful for me. Um, the question of the moral thing. Um, mm. I, I feel like sometimes that's a complete barrier as soon as there's any um, question about, uh, well, what does the Bible say about homosexuality? And why would God even care who I sleep with? Um, he's not about love if he doesn't let people love who they want to love. And um, how do you navigate that question with people who aren't necessarily interested in Jesus yet, but that is an initial barrier. Uh, mm -hmm. I talked to um, a pastor in Portland recently, and one of the things he was sharing was, you know, you don't talk about, and I don't know that he said I, you don't talk about it, but you don't like um, expect people to change their views on different things. It's always Jesus first, but what you're sharing and what uh, I think is a little bit harder in some ways is you almost have to deal with some of those questions first so how how do you mm, yeah I think I would want to agree with that pastor I would want to say um all these questions about sexuality they're obviously very difficult questions because um they relate to our identity to you know this is something very dear to our heart the question of sexuality is so intimate um, and I don't think any of what the Christians think about sexuality makes any sense if you don't know and follow Jesus. Yeah. So um, if, if I can invite you to come into my framework and to look at this topic from my perspective or, you know, from 
through the, the Jesus lenses, then maybe that I can show you how it makes sense within my framework. But if you, if you haven't yet encountered the love of Christ, I don't think this will make sense. Yeah. So, um, so I think, yeah, it's not a matter of evangelism. This is a matter of, um, of discipleship ultimately. Um, I always want to say, you know, to someone who struggles with these questions, the first thing is that Jesus loves you. No matter, you know, no matter who you love or where you come from, or what you think about this topic, Jesus' arms are wide open. Um, and um, yeah, and that's always true. And then also I want to say, yeah, sometimes Christians can be really harsh on this. Um, much harsher than Jesus is. So if if you've been hurt again, I want to say sorry. Um, yeah, and then and then yeah. So if you want to get to know my framework, then I invite you in, and I and then we can talk about whether that makes sense to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would want to say, you know, if there is a God, <laughs> and if he if he actually made us, and that's what I believe, then wouldn't it make sense that he knows? what's best for us obviously you could say that for all these moral questions i think when it comes to the topic of sexuality obviously this is not a black and white one this is a very difficult one it's a very personal one as i I already said but um i think there is the most important thing is that god is not against sexuality (laughs) like it was his invention he gave it to (laughs) us and and i think he celebrates sex you know it wasn't like he was looking one day he was looking down on adam Uh and eve and thinking oh what are they doing they're having way too much fun yeah this was his idea um and he gave it to us as a gift uh and i think um, because he knows what's best for us, he also gave a framework for that gift. So he wants us to enjoy this at the best way possible. Um, and, and so that's why I think he kind of set boundaries around it. Just, you know, when I go skiing, for example, uh, there are these boundaries as well. And I know when I go, you know, off piste, at least for me, <laughs> I won't enjoy my skiing trip as much as I, as I would um, if I'm on the road. So, um, yeah, that might be a bit of a yeah cheesy illustration, but um, you need to come to know Jesus and and experience why you can trust him in order to, you know, understand this. And then, as I say, it's not black and white. Um, I think we there are huge topics, and we need to discuss them openly and also yeah. in the Christian community. When you go to universities and college campuses. Um, do you open it up to Q&A at the end? Do people come up and ask some of these questions of you? And what are, what's going on in your head as they come up? Are you thinking, oh, please don't ask me this question? Well, you know, I think the Q&A is always the part I love best because, yeah. to be honest, I already know my talk. <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of the boring part for me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I always, I actually look forward to the Q&A because um, I just love people. I love to understand what they think. Um, I love to hear their opinions and I always learn a lot from them. So in every Q&A, I think there's something I learn. There's a new perspective that I can take away. And um, yeah, I, I just love the discussion. And you know, I don't go into it thinking, oh, I really need to fight this battle and win the discussion. Um, We don't want to win a discussion. We want to win hearts. And ultimately, um, it's, again, it's about the person of Christ. And if there's someone who rejects 
me well maybe that's because my the way i presented things wasn't really weren't really good or maybe you know i i made a mistake or whatever that's okay but ultimately I always think most people reject jesus not me so that's i think even that's much sadder in a way but then that helps me not to take it too personally and i know that there are deep issues and it's not easy you know it's not easy to become a christian it's not easy to grasp all this so i understand people being really critical being skeptical and, and sometimes even being annoyed so um so that's okay uh, i think for me mm. not always sometimes it can be quite <laughs> tough <laughs> you know i had this one one student i was talking to him for three hours i think and then um finally we came to the point that i believed in bodily resurrection so that i think you know one day we will rise with christ and we will have new bodies physical bodies and he looked at me and said oh wow until just a minute ago i actually thought you were quite intelligent oh gosh that <laughs> kind of stayed with me but i say you know i'm glad i could um put up that image for three hours <laughs> Well, it reminds me of uh, the Sermon on the Mount, I think, where Jesus says, blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. Yeah, well, you know, I, I always think people don't, most people, they're really, they're really nice and they're really friendly. They're really, they want to know, or maybe they don't, but they don't really want to harm me in any way. You know, a lot of people are actually quite tolerant so you know I'd rather talk to rather I love I love to talk to everyone but um sometimes I feel it's harder to talk to someone who says yeah that's fine that's great if that if, you know if it works mm -hmm. for you that's okay and to be honest most people in the German-speaking world would respond like that um, so talking to someone who really wants to engage and, and maybe is very critical uh, can sometimes be even easier uh, because mm -hmm. you get further you get to some of the other uh, the concerning matters um yeah. so yeah <laughs> yeah um a year and a half ago I was in the Netherlands with my mom and um with my exchange daughter Lika and her family and um she said what do you want to do while we're here and I said well I, I want to try out a church because she told me nobody goes to church here Janelle but I I said yes there's people that go to church there so I'm I'm googling you know and I find this church and I said could we go to this church and it was um now I can't remember the name of it but it was in Breda I think it's the city church there so anyway um but it was all in uh, Dutch and so I wasn't sure necessarily what they believed but it looked cool so we went to this church that met in old prison and it was awesome. They were so on fire for the Lord. And it was just fun to be in a fun environment and uh, to be with Lika, whom, you know, I love uh, very much and, and her family. And they're, you know, skeptics. And I, I totally respect that. But it was just fun to be able to share that 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 was in her own town. Mm. And afterwards, uh, talking with one of the ministry leaders there, the pastor's wife, she was sharing how it's very hard soil there. Uh, spiritually. Mm. And um, I also have a Swedish daughter who's a Christian and her family's not believers. So I'm just wondering what advice or encouragement would you give to the Christians in Europe right now who are, you know, on who love the Lord, but they, you know, it just feels hard. It feels hard to share. Mm, yeah. Um, I think I want to say 
I say, I, I truly believe God loves Europe. <laughs> <laughs> and I've got proof for it. So, <laughs> he does. You, you, you know, in Acts 16, um, God actually calls one of his best um, co-workers, Paul, from Asia to Europe, uh, to Macedonia. <laughs> And I think um, if he did that, if he wanted Paul to come over to to Europe, uh, he must love Europe. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I don't think he's given up on Europe. I think um, I don't think for God anything like hard soil exists. Uh, if you look at the um, if you look at the first century when Christianity um, started rising, um, the the society was very similar. So um, it was a very pluralistic society. I mean, there were, you know, all these different philosophies, different um, moral ideas around. Um, it wasn't a homogeneous society. It was very pluralistic, just as we find it today. And people were worshipping all sorts of um, gods. <laughs> no one had ever heard of Christianity. So it wasn't good news. It was just um, a scandal and it was... Um, yeah, people, people thought, you know, these Christians are naive. Um, so if the Holy Spirit could do his work then and there, I think he can still do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's able and he's alive. He's alive and well. So I think we'd better wait for him to work and, and expect him to work. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so the people were the same, the society was the same, and the spirit was and is the same. Um, you know, one of uh, my favorite theologians, he would always say the Holy Spirit is the youngest. He's not old fashioned and outdated. He's dynamic. He's dynamos. Um, he's the youngest among all of us. He can keep up with the technology and, <laughs> and all of that. It's not a problem for him. I mean, we, this is the, the living God we are, we are living with and we're believing in. So, so he can do it. And then the other thing that really, um, encourages me is that yeah maybe we don't see a thunderstorm coming through Europe and everyone turns to be a Christian but there are these little winds and (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh, and the Holy Spirit is blowing and and, um, it's amazing to see so uh, for example I'm part of this university um, evangelist network Um, so I think it started about 12 years ago and um, when we started it um, there was hardly any country in universe in, in in sorry there was hardly any country in Europe where the gospel was proclaimed on campuses of universities, and the vision for this network was that in ten years' time in every country in Europe we would have we call them mission weeks so proclamation public proclamation of the gospel at the universities. And um and when they told us about this vision, I was like, mm-hmm, this is never ever gonna happen. This is Europe, but it is <laughs> happening. And um every year we meet and we get these reports from uh countries, closed countries, um, countries like Serbia, Montenegro, Romania, Spain, Italy, like Russia, Ukraine. Uh, and and they tell us about what they do on campuses, how they reach out to students and how people come to know Jesus. Or um, just in March this year in Germany, we had, um, it's it's the biggest youth outreach we do in Germany. And um, we were planning to do an online event 
uh, that would then be transmitted to churches and they could hold their events and watch it with their teenagers. And because of the COVID situation, obviously we realized uh, we can't do any of the events and I was devastated. I was so frustrated because we've been working on this for three years. And then we realized this was the week when in Germany all the schools were, were, were closed. Um, but we were still able to, to film, to have a group of 20 people to do the filming. Um, so within this week, and it was only that week where we could actually hold it because afterwards there was complete lockdown in our country. So during that week, we reached about half a million um, students. And, wow. and people reported back and said, you know, I'm in my living room. I've never known Jesus before. But when I heard the message, uh, I, you know, suddenly I had this, this bulb of light coming into my room. It was the first time I experienced Jesus. And there was a 13-year-old teenager who said, um, I've got terminal cancer uh, today. I found my hope and now I know what my, my meaning and purpose of life is. So, you know, stories like that, I could go on yeah. <laughs> with story after story like that. I think at least in the German speaking world, I don't really know about the rest of Europe. Sometimes we are not good at telling stories. Mm. Um, so yes, it might be hard soil, um, but I think there is definitely stuff happening and and god is on the move the holy spirit is the youngest he's still moving and working and i think yeah it's good for us to share these stories and and to tell about what god is doing because he is indeed doing amazing things and people are coming to know him they're experiencing his love and 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 transformation as well um yeah, yeah. Oh, I love that. It's so good. I'm going to ask you a couple of final questions. Um, did you know Ravi Zacharias personally then? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, I, I loved listening to him and I, I loved his heart for people, uh, mm -hmm. you know, that he saw people and not question marks, you know. Um, what's something that you learned from him that you take with you? Yes, I think it's definitely Ravi's heart for people. So um, he always remembered people's names. Hmm. Um, he had this amazing gift of remembering the individual, someone he talked to 10 years ago, and he would still remember their name. And, um, and he was also a very humble man. So <laughs> this is a bit of a funny story. You know, um, I, I didn't really know much about Ravi. I had never heard a sermon when I started working with Ravi. <laughs> Don't, uh, yeah, don't tell anyone. It's out there now. <laughs> uh, but Ravi wants to meet everyone who comes on the team ahead of them officially joining the team. So I met him in Oxford and, um, and I had two big questions because um, I, I wasn't really sure whether I wanted to work with him or with the team because I thought, you know, how can someone put his name to the organization he's leading? You know, in Germany, that's a complete no-go. Why is it called Ravi Zechariah's International Ministries? That's so <laughs> arrogant. <laughs> it's so I honest. <laughs> yeah, well, I, you know, I didn't quite put the question like this, but he fully understood what I meant. <laughs> and he was so, so gracious and so patiently answered my question and, um, told me how he'd always wanted a different name to it, that um, the man who first supported him and, and, and he was a real friend and partner for him mm -hmm. in the beginning, um, he had his own business. And he said to Ravi when, when they started the ministry, he said, you know, um, 
I've done deals across the world just by a shake of hand because this, um, the, the, the enterprise bears my name. And he said, you know, people know they can trust me because I'm responsible for this. And if anything goes wrong, it falls mm. back on me. So he said to Ravi, this organization has, to, has got to bear your name and you're responsible. Wow. So if anything goes wrong, it falls back to you. So that completely changes the picture. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> I'm sorry for being a jerk. Yeah. <laughs> He was so patient, and um, and then he asked about my master thesis that I was um, I was writing, uh, and um, and and he went back to the OCCA, the OCCA, after our conversation, um, which is our training centre in Oxford where we train people in in apologetics. And um, someone told me afterwards that he just met this lady from Germany, and that he learned something new about the atonement from her. And I was like, okay. <laughs> You know, he was always um, open to learn, to engage with people, and he was such a humble man. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah, I, I very, very much appreciated that about him. And I think um, he's left this. Hopefully, he's left this imprint on the team. Um, we don't want to follow Ravi. We don't want to be like Ravi. We want to follow Jesus. Um, but um, yeah, the way Ravi engaged with people and the way Ravi talked and, and always tried to link both the heart and the mind. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that will hopefully stay with us as a team. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I watched his memorial and, you know, for someone that I've watched for years, you know, <laughs> while I'm doing laundry or whatever. And uh, then I had watched a video where it talked about that story of him being funded, you know, and Mm. It, you feel like you know somebody even though you've never met them and watching his memorial and at the end Villa Cray who uh I, yeah like rapped a song I don't even know what kind of music yeah. that is and I'm just thinking <laughs> this is so cool like how cool is it that God doesn't care you know all these different divides that we humans can make you know this person I don't have anything in common with them or this person uh, something that I really admired from afar was how he could bridge that just with love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 He definitely did that. He would always see the person, like not the individual, the, the story. He would always be um, interesting and listening to people's story. And um, yeah, as you say, bridge. Yeah. That's, um, yeah, that puts it into good words. Mm. Yeah. I have one final question for you, and then I'm going to let you go. I know we've ran a little long. The Finding Something Real podcast. Julia is about a journey towards restoration or redemption, eternity, authenticity, and love. It's an acronym for real, but I couldn't decide on one R. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. (laughs) So of those things, restoration or redemption, eternity, authenticity, and love, which stands out to you the most in your life right now and why? Oh, wow. All things that we can find in relationship with Jesus. Hmm, that's so, such a, I think that's the toughest question <laughs> you pulled oh, no. it to the end. <laughs> um, I've been thinking a lot about eternity recently. Hmm. I think one of the reasons is because I feel like our society doesn't know much about eternity and um, we don't envision eternity. Like, um, yeah, so, uh, so I was reading... Um, a very well-known German sociologist, and he, and he was actually saying, you know, the um, all our hurry, all our this 
the society of you can't get enough and you've got to be busy and keep busy and keep running. And he says, ultimately, um, it's our answer to the problem of death. Uh, he said, because we don't believe in eternity anymore. We have to rush everything into this one life. We have mm. to, you know, put everything into this one little small life. And, um, and that what's, that's what um, keeps us busy and moving and, and um, out of breath at times. Um, so, yeah, that's why I thought I've been thinking about eternity, but also, yeah, just envisioning that this, um, there is a life after life. Uh, I don't really know what it means, but I know it means we will be with Jesus. That's one thing. And I'm really very much looking forward to it. But um, also because I know this is going to be a world obviously God is going to recreate this world so we're not going to go up to heaven and um, be like angels and sing in choir every day that wouldn't <laughs> be it for me <laughs> but the Bible says that God is going to restore this whole world hmm. and um, I've been thinking a lot about justice recently obviously with all the Black Lives Matters but also um, some of the things that I've been encountering in conversation with young people there's so much injustice oh there's so much darkness and evil in this world. And then you mentioned I lived in Peru as well. So I think I, I wouldn't be able to handle any of this if it wasn't for the hope that God will one day put everything right mm -hmm. and that there will be a day of justice and that eternity is going to be this place of rest, of shalom, of of love <laughs> so you could put all, all of this together um because there are so many people whose lives are just so dark in this world um and i don't want to say you know this is okay you 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 stay with the bad stuff and then one day you'll go off to heaven um no 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 but because we we have this hope of eternity we can already start working for it um mm. in collaborate in collaboration with God obviously yeah. so we can't do it on our own but but we can we are part of this big sto God story and I love to be part of that story yeah, yeah. Oh, I love that well Julia thank you so much for this I sure appreciate it what a treat it's been to have you on the program and if you want to say anything to the German who might be listening to this later vielen <laughs> 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 Dank until next time. <laughs> Thank you, friend, for listening to the Finding Something Real podcast. This is a grace-filled, Christ-centered podcast for those who are wandering, wondering, or simply needing to be encouraged in their faith journeys. I hope you'll come back next week when I'll most likely be sharing a conversation with another guest about their journey towards finding something real. And if you're on Instagram, please come find me. On Fridays, I share Instagram Live podcast recaps at 11.45 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. So if you're over there on the gram, you can join me for some fun live awkwardness. <laughs> and finally, if you're someone who was encouraged by today's podcast and you have friends who would benefit from hearing the story shared here, would you go ahead and share? You can do that by hitting subscribe, leaving a review, or sharing a link. Your telling others about this podcast helps bring other people along. And finally, just so you know, if you only remember one thing about this podcast, I hope it is this. No matter who you are or what you've done, Jesus Christ loves you 
and a real relationship with Him is a treasure trove of restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love. He's offering that gift to you today. I pray you believe it.